listening to an episode of Learned, the podcast, with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Learned, where we bridge the intersections of education and entertainment. I am Dr. John Paul. And I'm Kevin Allred. And we are back to give you more trash to play with. <laughs> just, just throw the trash around. How are you, sis? I'm fine. <laughs> Same. We survived. I guess that's what we call it. We now, survived right? uh, 2020, chow. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> January's already felt like it's been the longest year in a month. Another year. Yes. Yeah. It feels like it has been a year in literally a month. It has just been so long. But ultimately, how are you? Um, <laughs> tired. You said, "Why did you say that like Miss Seely?" Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> said it just like you were in the color purple. My heart is uh, weary, child. That's one of my favorite books. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what adjectives to use to describe it anymore yeah and I'm some just... yeah somehow i understand everything that you just said yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the people listening won't be able to see like we can see each other's faces as we record this right. so we're, we're communicating more but uh-huh. um i think you'll get it from my tone yeah it's been it has been i think 2020 so i'll say this before we kind of get into our show so just kind of letting all of our listeners know we will this will be more the less a shoot the shit episode where we just kind of talk and we kind of process out kind of where we are um we are I, I will say this for me on on our end i've been thinking a lot about the podcast and where we want to go with it and what we're wanting to do with it for the upcoming year and me and kevin are, are going to talk more through that but this episode is just really kind of just catching people up um we took sort of a break towards the end <laughs> of last year because things were just a little little chaotic i would say in terms of like mental health and in terms of the election and in terms of work and so it just it just all got to be a little much and so um for those who are asking like where has the pod where's the podcast um you know we're still doing it mind your business that part hashtag that part (laughs) um we're still doing it but the the thing that i think folks need to recognize is that we don't get paid for this um and so the time and the effort that comes with it sometimes can be a little much especially when you're trying to keep the lights on and I think last year we just got a little overwhelmed with everything, but we're hoping that with this new year and with things changing, that things will get a little bit better. So um, with that being said, I feel you 3000% on the notion <laughs> of being tired. Um, there are a lot of things that are just irking me more. I feel like going into this year, but we'll get more into that as we get through the podcast. So that being said, I know we're a little late with me asking this question, but how, you know, how did your new year start? Like, how was that for you? How has the year been so far? It's been fine. I was just saying, I don't remember. I, <laughs> not because I was like drinking or anything or that there was anywhere to go, but mm-hmm. uh, I kind of remember watching whatever the stupid ball dropping thing is. Not the CNN one, because I hate Andy Cohen. Right. Um, but 
one of the other ones probably sierra was there because she's always she always pops up at the end of the year to host (laughs) one of the new year's things um and bands that i never heard of play a song Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't really remember it just all kind of blends into Mm -hmm. one one thing (laughs) yeah same did you do anything Mm -mm. not that there's any yeah. no i mean i th- oh, shit did we even order food i don't know what we did i think we ordered food <laughs> see i don't remember either yes we did and uh, you know what yeah we did and you know what shout out um to all of the people so i will say this shout out to everybody who's been really like working and doing stuff through these holidays it's hard um and i would imagine that it was even harder this year because of the quarantine because we had literally shut down again right before new year's and Mm. so there were all of these things that you could and couldn't do and a lot of places were just getting to like i guess like we had closed here a couple of months ago and then we like sort of reopened and then closed again like i said right before the new year and i could tell that companies and specifically restaurants were starting to get into their groove of like okay we know how we can work you know, with it being semi-open and then all of a sudden for us to shut down again, it made things way more complicated. So we actually ran into an issue. Me and my husband thought we were going to be able to order our food from DoorDash. That turned into a whole fiasco. I ended up having to go get food from somewhere else. We just came home, we ate, and we literally went to sleep. Like it was probably the most (laughs) anticlimactic, anti- new year's eve thing that we've ever done um Mm -hmm. but i mean what can you do in a pandemic right we weren't going to be around people so right Mm -hmm. but that was pretty much it um i mean i think we i I came into the new year being a little more hopeful than i was you know considering we have a new president and we're going to get into that in just a second because i'm sure folks are probably wondering what our thoughts thoughts are on the election and everything because we didn't talk about it we didn't cover any of it um and then oh right it's been however long since Mm -hmm. that episode Mm -hmm. we haven't we (laughs) haven't talked through any of it so we'll talk about that in a second but overall i think um just coming into the new year uh it was definitely it was you know it was a breath of fresh air but at the same time it like someone had said on another podcast i listened to it was just 2020 with the hat on like i feel like this year coming into this year has not been any different than what it was last year so there's that so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so there's that uh the other piece so kind of going back and talking about it um we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about the election so if you don't want to hear it, you might want to skip through <laughs> this part because we're going to probably spend a moment talking about it and then we'll talk about a few other things. But yeah, um, Biden and Kamala is now in office. And last time we talked, we were worried that they weren't going to be in office. We were scared. <laughs> um, how did you process? How did you move through kind of everything related to the election and how is it like affecting the way you feel currently? It's not really affecting anything mm. about the way I feel, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't believe... Everyone tells me... I mean, for four years now, everyone's told me I've been overreacting to everything. But mm. um, I didn't... Like, great, the election result. Well, first of all, they took forever. They wouldn't call the different states. Yeah. Fox News was the first one that called Arizona, and that pissed everyone off, and mm-hmm. blah, 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 Going like returning back to that, which seems like 700 years ago now. But 
they like I didn't believe it was actually because Donald Trump was fighting it every and mm-hmm. lying and obviously a lot's happened since then the his little QAnon people attacked the Capitol. Oh um, my God! Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. There's right, been so, so much shit that has happened. <laughs> right, so I didn't believe like the election right. told us. I mean, it took a few days for them to fully, fully call it, but it obviously looked like it. And that was actually a cool day when they, I remember it was a Saturday yeah. and oh. everyone kind of went out because we, it was, it was still warm mm-hmm. out. Not, well, this is New York, so you have warm mostly, but we had open, yeah, you know, bars were 70. open outside. Mm-hmm. Bars were open outside. It was cool, but you know, wearing jackets. So everyone like kind of went out onto the streets and honking and everyone was excited. And it was, that was actually kind of a breath of fresh air moment where it felt like something happened but then you just went straight back to the kind of terror of everyday life um (laughs) with uh you know trump claiming that it was fake Mm. and voter fraud that then went up all the way took up everyone's time all the way to you know rudy giuliani doing uh, press conferences at the landscaping company and his Child. hair dye running down his ugly clown face, mm-hmm. and like, and now he's getting sued for billions and now of he's dollars. Getting sued. <laughs> um, and I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but um, yeah. So it just like was one crisis after the other, mm-hmm. up to the actual inauguration, where it's like everyone's holding their breath as Joe Biden and Kamala Harris walk down. You know, they get out of their after the inauguration took place, they get out of the cars and like walk a number of blocks to mm-hmm. the to the White House, to their offices or whatever. And it's just like, oh my God, if someone is out here, you know, after seeing what happened at the Capitol, right? The two, three weeks, whatever weeks before, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, just get them in the get them in the building. Who knows if they'll be safe in the building? But you know, it's <laughs> now I'm just rambling about what the election has kind of from the election to today, it doesn't feel like that much is different. And mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell still being an asshole in the Senate, even though that was another good day when you woke up and found that Georgia had elected these two democratic senators. Yeah. But then later that day was the Capitol attack mm-hmm. by Trump's white supremacist terrorist folks yeah. that live streamed themselves doing it with their faces in full view. And yeah often screaming out their own names. So and then the FBI is like, we need help identifying them. And I was like, girl, um, go to Twitter. <laughs> like at least, you know, a scheme at, like, have you ever committed crimes yeah. before? Like, what do you but see? That's the thing. So I think that that's the thing that really has gotten me. And, you know, so I, you, thank you for the, the excellent rundown of what right. feels excellent like rundown. the last 18 years of slave. <laughs> In, in terms of this, like, living in this country. And when I literally say I hate it here, I literally mean it with every single fiber of my bone that I absolutely keep thinking about how the people in New Zealand handled this and how they are just, how mm. they, then people, then people are living their best life. And we're over here still in the ghetto. And it's just really, really, really annoying. And so I think for me, like, that, that day was literally for me the cherry on top because I think. It wasn't even about the election. Like, I I felt like a lot of what Trump was doing was like the the tantrum that, you know, 
you know, the little child in first grade when they don't get their way or when they don't get, you know what I mean? Like they don't get, they don't get to the sandbox first and get the, the swing. Mm. Um, he stole it from me. And it just felt very childish. And all the way up through January 6th, I said, you know, when I saw, and the thing was, which was so funny, I always, I, I, if you're my friend outside of, you know, the podcast world, hi people. But if you <laughs> chat and text with me regularly, one of my friends was texting with me and I was watching this happen. I was telling her I was on a job interview while all of this was happening. And so as I'm like, like literally watching, as I'm trying to pay attention to the folks asking me questions, my computer is going literally like ding, 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 ding. Like literally I'm getting updates from CNN. I'm getting updates from, you know, AP News. Like I'm getting all of these updates and I'm going, what the hell is going on? And so it just, it was very interesting to watch because there was a point where I like during the break of the interview that I had, I literally like turned on Twitter and I'm watching all of this stuff happen live. And I'm going, is this what we really have come down to? And I think about all of the, specifically what I think really burns me, not even just about January 6th, but I think about this whole entire election process in general is that if any, and I hate, I, you know, I know people are probably in this place of like, oh, oh God, here comes John with the race thing. Here comes John with the race thing. I feel like if, if Black Lives Matter or if any organization that was like rooted in blackness or even within like marginalized voices tried any of what happened on the 6th, we literally would have flipped a bitch. Like we literally would have, people would have literally combusted over how frustrated and angry they would have been. And it just seemed mm -hmm. so dismissive. Like I felt like even, you know, with folks saying, oh, we're gonna hold them accountable and blah, blah, blah. Even with the way that that's being handled, folks being able to go home with like ankle bracelets when we have people who, who are still in jail for like marijuana. Like it just, it, it, it just, there's so much that has happened in the last, I wouldn't even say, God, I also wanna say the last year and it's not even last year. There's been so much that has happened in the last well, two and a half months that has really, 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 really challenged the faith that I have in people. It really has. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the hardest thing about being in this pandemic. It's the hardest thing about the election. It's the hardest thing about really everything for me right now is like, and I was, and we're gonna get more, like I'm, when we get to the sandbox, baby, I'm going to have a mouth full. Um, <laughs> but I, I genuinely am in this place of just like, I don't, even with Biden and Kamala being in office, great. I'm I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but I'm just still very much disheartened by a lot of the stuff that I've seen in the last few months, and just by the way yeah. people are treating each other. It's really it's really really discouraging. I'm putting aside for a second, you know, the terrorists mm -hmm. that did whatever, you know, QAnon believers, which I only know the kind of surface level of what that conspiracy even entails, because I was like, nope, yeah. I'm not not going to go further into that. Right. I don't fucking care. Right. Um, putting that aside, you also have like, not to both sides this, of course, but the far left, like, criticizing biden so hard for not doing enough progressive mm -hmm. like okay he's he's been in office three days or, yeah literally you know, that how long and so it's just not productive to be calling out like yes of course we want more stimulus money yes of course we need all this stuff but there's ways the government works that is so stupid and bureaucratic mm -hmm. that things cannot possibly get done so 
the expectations on him. I mean, he's already signed like a total of 50 executive orders or something, just reversing. Like we're in a place where, and I always said this, as soon as Trump was elected or like he actually took office, I was like, the time it will take to undo what damage he will do Mm -hmm. just for having been elected is going to be epic. Like, Biden's real job is, I know we need progressive social change and all these things, Mm -hmm. but because of how far that was a backslide, Trump's four years was a backslide, Mm -hmm. four years of Biden just getting us back to the point of when Trump was to undo all of the things that he did would be a Herculean effort. So it's like... Yes, there will be things, and I do believe we'll get more stimulus money. There's going to be corona relief that would have never come out of the Trump administration. He's undoing, you know, transgender service bans in the military, like, whatever, let's ban the military and instead even of let just trans having a corona. In. Yeah, I was going to say, not to cut you off, sorry, but even just no. him having a corona a plan. plan, because my husband was telling me, he was saying that I guess there was no plan in place Mm-mm. for coronavirus. He was like, there was no, like, no plan. No national plan. Yeah, it was Nothing. just, I mean, Trump was do whatever you want to do. The states, it's up to the states, mm. right? So just these like seemingly inconsequential like they have to rebuild what trump did (laughs) yeah and to do that is is going to be and and you still have up until i think it was just last night mitch mcconnell pitching another tantrum Mm -hmm. saying the democrats can't take their power in the Senate because I don't want them to because they're going to use the filibuster or get rid of the filibuster so that they can pass things with only 51 votes because, right? But you have to do that. Like, the Democrats need to come in hard and all of that. But at the same time, we need to realize that this kind of stuff takes lifetimes, essentially, the way the change happening. And it shouldn't. I don't want, you know, I'm not like just, being appeased by scraps or whatever they say Mm -hmm. they want to say as an excuse it's that that's how this system works and if you want if you want something else then you have to talk about it seriously but it's so disingenuous for everyone on both the right and left to be like screaming about how this needs to happen immediately and i want that stimulus in my bank by friday and like you don't understand the behind the scenes fights that take place right mitch mcconnell is an evil evil motherfucker yeah and he will block everything. So even though the Democrats are in control, seemingly, it's going to be so hard still for things to pass. And I just, you know, it's like, okay, then let's burn it down. Okay, but what? After you burn it down, then that's what, what happens? That's like, like these terrorists tried mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have this weird far left and far right kind of just wanting to like, burn it all down but mm-hmm. what happens you don't have a plan to you know take care of people what is going to happen to the most vulnerable people vulnerable people already yeah you know it just gets me so <laughs> tired which is yeah. how you know when you ask me how i am it's just like what do you do what does anyone do that wants to have a clear vision of how to move forward you know celebrate the wins that biden can create and the change that he can make knowing that it's not enough but still celebrating it 
oh, you're celebrating that, that, but that's not what we want. We want all of this. We want Medicare for all. Yeah, I want those things too, but you have to figure out how it's going to happen and you have to make it plausible for mm-hmm. it to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't think anyone understands well, I think the inner working, yeah, the, the way it comes to be. Yeah, it's our, you know? it's the, it's the world we, I wouldn't say it's not even the world. I think it's just the American way. It's the American way of how everything is, you know, it's basically Instapot, you know, instant oh, ramen, right. you know, mentality, right? Like we genuinely want things done in two to three minutes. And I think even for me, I've had to find myself telling myself to be more patient about not only just the country and the and the world in terms of change but even with myself like I think and you know we're gonna get into that in a little bit but I think for me this this notion of you know everything that I have seen and and like I said I am very you know I know that there's a lot of both ands around Kamala and 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 Biden you know there's a lot of you know oh, they did this and they did that and it's problematic. But at the same time, it's like they were the lesser of two evils. Okay, I get all of that, right? We live in a country where there's there everything is very much double-sided. Every conversation has two, two mm-hmm. sides to it. There's not just one linear way of looking at everything. And I think for me, something that you said that I think rings very, very real is celebrating the wins where we can celebrate them. Because I think for me, that's what I've been trying to do more of. And, and thinking about it, because if you don't, you know, like you said, you'll be so tired and so exhausted and so worn out that you really won't have anything yeah. left. And I really think for me, you know, seeing Biden get in office and seeing him say, OK, I'm going to do what I think is important right now. Um, you know, like I said, I, for me, the only thing right now that has been really at the top of my head is get this coronavirus stuff under yeah. control. And the fact of the matter is that he's, you know, he's implemented so many things or he's trying to implement so many things around it. You know, I, I've been joking about it, I said, but it feels like, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, when my mom would leave for a few days, my mom, there were times where my mom was like, oh, I'm going on vacation and you're staying with your uncle and you're on. <laughs> um, and I'd be like, no, um, <laughs> it, you know, that moment when my mom would call and say, hey, I'm on my way back home and that that sinking joy you would get, mm. you know, because you it's not necessarily saying that everything around you was on fire. It's just it felt good to know that you had your parents back that's how i feel about you know knowing biden and kamala's in office it's Mm. like you literally had someone literally coming into your home and making a mess for the last four years and now kamala and biden are basically saying i'm here to try to do as much as i can to try to clean this mess up it won't be perfect it's gonna take me a while but at least you know for me the mindset is at least they're going to try and at least i know you know even with all of the bad that we have seen and the bad that is literally still lurking in the shadows that's something i've been very vocal about with a lot of my friends and family it's like don't think that just because trump went away that the the damage and the 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 stuff that he did for the last four years went with him it did not these people are still lurking in the shadows they are still waiting for an opportunity to be terrible like they've been for the last four years and you know you can't let your guard down but i am definitely here with you where thinking about all of this stuff specifically the election coronavirus um i was i was on a podcast you know i'm on another podcast that i do with uh, a friend of mine and i was saying i think the hardest part about all of this stuff is how coronavirus has amplified everything like i think in years i mean when we first started doing this podcast in 2018 you know, bad stuff would happen. We'd both laugh about it and we would kind of say, it's terrible. Let's move on. Right. 
Um, and we never really spent too much time kind of being stuck in quote unquote the bad. Like we would still laugh. We would still find reasons and, and moments to have mm. our kikis. But for some reason in 2020, it just felt like everything became so much more bigger. Like even the smallest thing for me, you know, I had told you earlier, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because I don't want to get emotional talking about it. But losing my friend uh, last week, learning that I lost a friend, um, that for some reason, like I, I tend to do very well dealing with death and, you know, handling it well in terms of like grief. Like I, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of death in my life. And I think for some reason, I for like maybe the last three or four days, I've been a mess because of it. And, you know, the only thing I can think of is this because the because being in the house, because not knowing what mm. the next six months are going to look like. It's just it's all so much. So I think when you say you're tired, um, I, I really I, I think that you're you're speaking to a lot of people who are really in the same mindset, really. So, yeah, being stuck inside and while we watch a whole large group of people ignore mm -hmm. basically just say fuck you to everyone else pretty like, much i don't care about you if i have to wear a mask i've lost my freedom which is just the dumbest thing possible um because like equating you know you're you would be taking care of yourself but also everyone around you i guess it's just how out in the open how extremely selfish everyone is saying you know this this very tiny thing you know watching all the videos of people getting throwing tantrums in walmart and yeah. yelling and and screaming about how they won't put on a mask mm -hmm. like just do it for fuck's sake just put on a mask we've we've said this before but it it's it starts to wear everyone down and and, and that's again how it it's why there's such a deep divide and polarization right. between sides because it's like how can i you know live in a society in a community when when these people are actively trying to kill me yeah. essentially yeah. and this is a dynamic that's not unique it's something that black people people of color queer people have felt over long periods of time yeah. and generations but now it's down to just this this you know there doesn't even have to be a different it can be two white men essentially two straight white men mm -hmm. and one puts on a mask for you know the good of society and himself yeah. and the other won't do it and you're seeing it butt up against it crosses all these differences so you can't blame it on oh it's a race thing oh it's a gender thing oh it's whatever no it's, it's your a privilege neighbor thing. yeah yeah it's a it's your and and the people you know don't recognize it as a like they're saying it's their freedom being taken away but like you put on a seat belt in your car it's just like a thing you do because you live among other people if you really want to be free with no constraints then you have to go live there's nowhere you can go like go to antarctica freeze to death go ahead go antarctica like live off the grid where yeah. no one tells you what to do you don't have to wear a mask you don't have to like it's just not possible i don't yeah. understand what people are what situation people are pining for that means you know no one ever has to tell me that's that's a trade-off of it's like the social contract you agree to do some things for the betterment of people mm -hmm. and to see how many people just willingly 
throw that away yeah. because they want to go out to the beach or they want to go. And it's not even for anything good. It's nope. just like, I want to go have a hamburger in a crowded bar. Why? I don't even want to do that one before look, it was sis, Corona, right? Look, like, I don't want to be around all these right. people. But my club days are I don't over. Know. Yeah, I, I and, so anyway. Yeah, no, no, no. And you, I think you, you, you. I think, um, I think you, you're, you're speaking to a lot of, you know, what I think so are frustrating so many people. Like we, and I, and I, I hear like I hear the concept and I hear the theory all the time. People saying if folks were less selfish, we would have been out of this in June. We could have been out of this in June. But I genuinely believe like when you have someone in office who has made it very, very clear that they don't care about people. And they mm-hmm. have used that rhetoric to, to, to tell other people that it's okay to not care about other people. What do you expect, right? Like, I think it, it just, that, and that's literally the kind of rhetoric I felt like. And that's why I think, like I said, I, I, I may not agree with everything Kamala has done. I may not agree with everything that she will do. I may not agree with everything Biden has done or what Biden will do. But what I will say that I genuinely appreciate about both of them is that they are ultimately showing that they give a damn about people. And I think in the last four years, that's what's really, and again, I I truly did not want to make this a, a political episode, but I think it's, you know, the personal is political. And I think moving forward into 2021, like this has been something I've been thinking a lot about. I don't, and again, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't want to get into the sandbox just yet, but I don't want to be a part of anything that doesn't center the well-being of other people. I don't mm. want to be a part of any of, of any. And like I said, when I think about the, the parents who lost their children or the children who lost their parents because they were in cages, when I think about, you know, bl- the black people who've lost their lives because they were told, you know, whatever if they were jailed or if they were arrested and killed like all of that just everything that happened from 2016 to 2020 has told me that our administration did not give two flying fucks about people and oh no and it just and and like i said i i genuinely at least it's nice to see two people try to to care and are, are pushing the message that even with our differences that we can still try to at least bottom baseline care about one another and i used to be that person like i told somebody earlier i said when this pandemic started i was like oh everyone's overreacting it's not a big deal and then when i started really understanding what you know coronavirus was and how it worked and how it would how it was impacting people i was like okay let me not be that person you know let me go ahead and and really push you know this idea of like i really genuinely need to make sure that i'm wearing a mask and that i'm washing my hands and that i'm keeping my distance or that i'm not going to hang out with my friends even though i really want to see them like i need to be i need to be more mindful that you know other folks lives matter more than my own and i think that's so hard for some people to contend with that we're in a place now where we have to be thinking more about our neighbors or the people we're standing near in line versus our own selves and i just don't Mm -hmm. think that this country has ever done that i don't think we've ever been put into a situation where we've had to really actively think about someone else before our own selves and i think that's the reason why we're still here and i think we'll be here for a while because of it yeah, the American ethos is all about mm-hmm. you. You matter apart from everyone else. Yep. And it's even crept into 
I've been thinking a lot lately about this, that we need to change the messaging to be about like, you don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going, I'm obviously saying it a little tongue in cheek, but I think it needs to, it needs to be on, the focus needs to be on a collective group of people, Mm -hmm. not the individual. And even in things like, you know, we talk all the time about how things like representation are so important and they are, but they also teach you that you you know, you, the person watching, whether you're white and gay or a queer black woman, you know, like whatever the identity is, yeah. it's all about like, and it's me, it's me that matters, it, not the group of people. Right. And it's like, then the actor that is the representation gets fetishized as the representation and it turns into an individualistic thing again. And so it's always, you know, well, this representation exists, say it's... um you know, I'm trying to think of like some big example from the recent past, but I'm I'm not thinking of anything or like the film Moonlight, right? So right. Moonlight comes out and you've got this like queer black, gay black experience represented on on screen and everyone else just shouts out, okay, but that's not my experience. What about queer black disabled experience? What about da da da? And it and I understand that, right? We need, we do need that, but not every story is told in every piece of um, art or mm-hmm. mo- film or or music or whatever. So instead of rallying around it, it becomes this individualistic thing. But like, but my story isn't told because mine veers away from that in one identity category. Mm. So it, does this make any sense? Like, I'm I'm not trying to say we don't need that, but it it reinforces the individualistic nature of. If your personal story isn't being told in its f- full scope, then the other stories don't matter. Right, right. Right? No, it does. And, and I, it I, makes total sense. It makes sense. I think that feeds into yeah. how we we are, have been taught. Yep. I mean, in America, it's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the straight white man story, and it doesn't work for everyone. But even in these representational politics that we have or whatever else that we want to talk about as progressive, we're still in a way subtly reinforcing the individual instead of the collective group. Now, let me say something here again. I, we are going to have going to have a, I'm going to go off (laughs) when we get to the end of this podcast, because you're hitting on a topic that is so, it, 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 it I'm triggered. I, I genuinely like I, like <laughs> the, I know it's it's a good triggered. I think you are you are really speaking to this idea of like at the end of the day everything comes back to this idea of like what and 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 again you can't get away from it. Everything comes back yeah. to white supremacy. And I think that's well, yeah. this idea of like what what has been happening these last couple of years is like that individualistic idea of like I don't have to worry about anyone else but myself is very much rooted in white supremacy, right? What is colonialism mm-hmm. in itself? I'm coming over here, I'm taking what's mine for me, right? I don't have right. to worry about someone else's culture. I don't have to worry about someone else's history. I don't have to worry about someone else's problems. I'm just on the outlook for myself. And I think what you're really speaking to is this idea of like, you know, I think that's the reason why black people, not every black person buys into this, but I will say that since coronavirus has started, the one of the things that I love the most, you know, my husband doesn't sometimes understand it, but I'm in several different chat groups and they're all full of black and brown people. And in these chat groups, we have conversations, we laugh, we share memes, we share Twitter, things that we see, you know, there's this sense of collective, the collectivism 
if that's the right mm-hmm. word I think to use that lives in these group chats and live in these you know in the conversations I'm having on Zoom with some of my black and brown friends and I think it's just this way of like the collective caring that we have to do and I think it's the reason why I, I don't I don't think and I don't want to say it's limited to white people because it's not just white people I think it's a a very American very American idea that I only need to worry about myself. And if I'm not happy, then nobody else can be happy. And I'm genuinely in this mindset of every marginalized person, whether they be queer, black, woman, whatever, have has always had to worry about everyone else. We've always mm-hmm. had to worry about the, the idea of like, how do we make sure that other people are comfortable? How do we make sure that we're not, you know, we're not taking up too much space? How do we make sure? And so I think it's just for me, this idea of I think where we're starting to see the break is that we're finally starting to see people say specifically to white cis straight men, you don't get to you don't get to just focus on you anymore. Um, You don't you don't it's not about you. It's never really been about you because you're ultimately one of the most mediocre, you know, subsets of people in this world. And I just think that it's 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 just very much like I think, like you said, I I, I go back. I, I love that you mentioned you said it's going to take a long time for us to undo this. You know, I think what going back to the political element of it, I think what Trump did was he he literally it's like going into the the stove was already on and the fire mm-hmm. was already burning. But but literally Trump went in and turned every single eye up to high. And I think that's the thing that has made so much of this this living here for the last year and a half so much more exhausting and so much more like I've, I feel like I've had to exert the most energy I've ever had to exert to just exist is that you're literally dealing with people who genuinely are are literally moving and thriving in a way of I am the only person that matters and if I don't matter yeah. then nobody matters and yeah. if you're an empath or if you're doing the work we're doing, I mean, obviously we're doing, I would say for both of us in one way, shape or form, we're doing liberation work where we're trying to help people become the best people that they can be or live the best lives they can live. It's hard to feel like you're constantly up a battle of people who just don't give a damn, literally. Yeah. And um, I, I, it's like I said, I'm trying not to kill myself over the idea, but I genuinely believe like, I guess that's the message that we're trying to convey in this, this podcast, like, this year really needs to be a year of people genuinely saying, what can I do that's really going to not just change, not just change life for me, but how is it going to impact and help other people be better in terms of their own lived experience too? That's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I, we can move on, but yeah. the last thing to say about this is like what you were saying, Trump radicalized a large number of a large portion of the American population as terrorists. Mm-hmm. So now we, it's it's we shouldn't be said lightly that like he radicalized, like you're right. saying he he made them feel okay about this, but that's radicalizing terrorism, uh, terrorists. Um, the other thing, so yeah, I think this year I'm trying to be like, you know, we work so hard to tell people they matter, like especially when they haven't seen themselves in films or. In pop culture, whatever. I think this year should be about people saying to themselves, I don't matter. Mm-hmm. I only matter in relation to other people. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you understand mattering in relation, 
then it becomes a different thing than I matter because I matter. Yeah. Which is true. Like you do. You Every person matters and they have a story and it's individual. And when you break it down so far, no two stories are alike. So no one piece of representation can represent a group. Um, but if you start to believe that you only matter in relation to the people you know, the people you work with, the people you help, the people you... Uh, don't see connections with right? right i think it shouldn't be just like i matter as a group um you know it's good to have like you're talking about group chats with other black folks and it's good to have those spaces but it's also good to ask like or to realize that you matter in relation to people that are different than you right and we need to cultivate those things as much as we cult, not more or less, but as much as we cultivate the spaces where our identities are affirmed. I'm not saying go out and become friends with one of Trump's terrorists. No, nope. I'm saying like, right, like me and you having conversations as a black person and a white person. Right. You know, having those things in as much visibility. And in some sense, that's kind of what makes this this new administration cool. Right. Because Joe Biden... Um, and Kamala Harris um, working together and showing that that can be done. And his whole cabinet bringing so many different people into the Baby, you want to talk about the United Nations, honey. That cabinet well, we got, is colorful. You know, what's I think one of the coolest aspects of the cabinet, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not to pit them against each other, but we have a Native American nominee for Secretary of the Interior, right? Yeah. Like, that's... People on the far left are always talking about like land recognitions and we need to give the land back. I agree with that, but I frankly don't know how that would work to just like give like, you know, there's so many people on this land now. There would have to be a conversation about that. But I saw so many people criticizing Biden over like his lack of recognition of American land. Mm -hmm. But what do you call naming a Native American secretary? Like. That's the first time this has ever happened, and they are in charge of the way the land works. Like, hello, that's yeah, that's a major shift and could be a major shift. Not to say that any Native American person means it's more progressive, right? right. You can still have people that are... But this is all taking place within uh, this larger context. So mm-hmm. we have to be... And yes, you can call Kamala a cop or you can call her whatever, but she's still the first black woman vice president. and. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, Barack Obama had some bad policies and he did some bad things. But at the end of the day, a black man was uh, held the office of the president. And look, it did matter. And you know how much it matters by how big the backlash was. Right. 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 So we've got to, you know, we've got to start making room for complex things that sometimes contradict one another and and not just be so siloed over in are it's all progressive socialism or bust like it get what you can and keep building Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. um because it's never going to happen overnight that everything becomes you know we're not going to become a socialist country overnight yeah to to some people's great uh that you know that they want it to be a socialist country and then the right's afraid that it will be a socialist country overnight like none of this is going to happen right we've just got to keep making sure we focus on moving forward in a way that matters to the groups of people we consider ourselves tied to, Mm -hmm. not me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't. And I so I will say this. Um, what we can, like I said, we're we're gonna move on into the next kind of piece and i think it all ties in because we you know one of the things Obviously, that we we've made had notes, a lot to say about we did and you know like i last, said we have not been on the mic for a couple of months while. so you're gonna you're getting a lot of what we've been thinking about for the last few months and we've actually been texting back and forth about this a lot um but what i will say is this moves into this idea you know in in our notes we, we're talking about new year and new manifestations and i think one of the things that I wanted to do very quickly before we jump into that that part is I wanted to shout out like the younger generation, specifically the TikTokers who, you know, ultimately they they did some work. And I think that they didn't get enough credit for a lot of the stuff that they did, um, foiling a lot of Trump's plans in terms of his marches and his, you know, the thing, the, the, the speaking engagements that he did where the TikTokers went in and bought up all the tickets or told their parents yeah. to, you know, register for it. And then ultimately the parents didn't show up like I think there's there's this, you know, and I will say this. I think that's the one thing about this new year that is a, has made me a little bit more hopeful is that I think like I was even telling someone earlier this. I said, you know, years ago, I was never interested or never engaged around political issues because I was always like, I ain't worried about them crazy people. They don't care about me. I don't care about them. I'm not going to waste my time on that. Like that was kind of what my mindset was. But in this last maybe I would say six months. I've become so me and my husband both we sit on the couch we read up on stuff we look at we're, we're, we're constantly watching what's happening and we're having conversations in a new way and a new interesting and a more I would say in an engaging way because I'm starting to understand and recognize that you can't be <laughs> I'm just going to say this you can't be black or queer or marginalized in any capacity and not follow politics you just can't. Um, you are doing yourself a real disservice if you turn that off because there are so many things that are moving around you and so many people who are working and moving around you to keep you liberated um, that it is imperative. And so, you know, I think that's for me this year. One of my things that I'm saying that I'm going to do this year is genuinely engage more in these conversations. Do I really want to be a political pundit? No, I have no interest in being on CNN. I have no interest on being on MSNBC in regards to talking about what Kamala or what Biden are doing. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about, though, is, is as someone who considers themselves a, you know, social justice, diversity, inclusion, equity, whatever you want to call me, like educator, right, whatever, mm. you have to know what's going on around you. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me this year is giving myself the liberty and the space and the opportunity to not only engage in these conversations like we're doing today, but really even mm. thinking about, too, like, giving myself space to really feel and really like, I don't know. Like I, I think there's just became this moment. Like for me, a couple of months ago, a friend had brought up to me. They were like, are you, you're on, you know, someone on my, one of my friends who follow you said, is this your new brand to just constantly be complaining about everything? And it was very interesting to me. Cause I was like, it's so funny that people see what I'm talking about as me complaining. When in reality, we should all be complaining. Like we all need to be comfortable with the fact that we have a lot to say because people give us a lot to say. Like if white people didn't do racist shit, I wouldn't have to talk about <laughs> racist shit. If folks stopped being transphobic, I wouldn't have to talk about transphobia. Like that's the stuff that I, so, so I'm going, please don't project your laziness or your, um, you, you, 
the way that you're complicit with how everything is running onto me. And I think that that's the thing I really want this year. I'm, I'm really accepting and I'm really bringing. If you think I complain, if you think that this podcast is all me, if you think all me and, you know, if you think that's all we do, if you think me and Kevin just sit here and complain for close to an hour about the world, <laughs> you need to be asking yourself, what is the world doing to give us the reason to complain? Because we're not complaining about Starbucks. We're not complaining about not getting extra sauce when we go through the McDonald's drive through We're not complaining about not getting, um, you know, what's, what I'm looking at. We're not complaining about not getting enough <laughs> butter on our popcorn, right? Like, the stuff that we talk about most of the time on this podcast is big shit that affects, in, like, multitudes of people. And so my mm-hmm. thing becomes... If you are, if you're in a mindset that you look at us and you go, why are you always complaining? It's like, sis, why aren't you complaining? Because obviously something out there needs to change to stop us from talking about this. We shouldn't have to constantly keep coming to this podcast every week to talk about the terrible shit that's happening in the world. Charge them to do mm-hmm. something about it. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm in that place this year where big part of me this year is I'm going to, I'm literally going to embrace I don't know how to, I really don't know how to put it into words. I'm really embracing this idea that what I have to say is important. And mm-hmm. I'm also really embracing this idea that the work that we've done, not only just with this podcast, but I think with our brands in general too, are really, really lighting fire under people to embrace this idea of like, y'all need to go out there and do something because I'm tired of being the one that always has to do it. Like I'm really charging people this year Like someone even just reached out to me yesterday and was like, hey, can you do this for me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, first of all, you need to pay me. But two, I'm not I'm I'm not going to just come in here and do something very simple for you. Like I'm going to challenge you to do some work. So I think that's the thing for me this year is I'm really, I guess, calling it bringing folks to task. Like my goal this year is to bring more people to task. So there's there I am. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have any gold. No. I heard, <laughs> look, I heard that. You're like, shit, I'm just trying to exist. <laughs> no, I think uh, mine is just what I was saying before, like trying to focus on this shift about like and saying it in a tongue in cheek way gets people to pay attention to it. But being like, you don't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Telling people they don't matter. Right. Like, you, you do, but you have girl. to realize it's in relation. You don't matter to anyone just as... Because, you know, we... Very few people... Like, think of how many people are in the world. And very few people do these huge, like... Very few people are Beyonce. Um, Beyonce matters, well, right? <laughs> well. But... But... Beyonce matters in relation to the way she affects people right. right like if if no one cared if no one responded to the music beyond they treat her like matter. a shanti mm-hmm. right <laughs> Be- um okay hold on <laughs> you just made me think of something that i do just want to say it's kind of about politics but not really because it's about the inauguration miss jennifer oh, lopez oh god we really should oh that can i just can i just like Jennifer Lopez thinks she really matters enough to sing "Let's Get Loud" in the middle of the inauguration challenge. 
when and I so I had tweeted uh, right before she went on I said I know she sings, I saw let's get loud tweet. I'm leaving and then boom 20 seconds two minutes later she really had that one line just thrown in the middle like that's the kind of thinking I'm trying to I mean this single was what 20 years old at this point like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing she wasn't even promo like you know throwing in a new single as a promo to something but this day isn't about you jennifer lopez right <laughs> i mean in some ways it is in that you're you know a latina and you there's like issues that matter to people and and a woman and you know all of those right. things but you jennifer lopez do not, do not matter. matter right here you know what i was and so i was thinking <laughs> don't sing let's get no, loud in the right. middle of america so the beautiful. what would have really made me really respect her more is if she would have sang the first verse of that this land is your land song or whatever in english uh-huh. and then oh, during yeah. that break spanish right during the break with the music Switch the right. lyrics and sang it in Spanish. I would have mm-hmm. been like, "Oh my God, that's so amazing! Like you're you're being so mindful that this land really is everyone's land. Like Latinx folks, like yes, like yeah. this that that for me. But when she said, "Let's get loud," my immediately <laughs> everything in me just shut down. I said, "No, nope, yeah. no, nope, now I don't even care yeah. for you even more than I already didn't." And don't get me started did you see that challenge she tried to start the other day on social media the uh, I love don't, don't cost the, the thing challenge i think or something yeah but i don't know again like these songs are so old why are you doing a, stop trying to make she's trying to keep 20 years relevant. ago j-lo happen like yeah. this is 20 she's trying to keep herself relevant i mean i'm just thinking and i don't dislike those songs but like what is the challenge to throw your jewelry <laughs> in the ocean what is your challenge the pic- people the, are dying the video Kim. was her th- the, the video was her throwing her jewelry and her jacket on the beach and walking away like what is the challenge when there's a challenge you have to know what it is like if it's certain dance moves that you do in the the video like it was just the most tone deaf thing <laughs> next to let's get loud i don't and i don't dislike those songs for you know they have a purpose and place and time they have a place and time and purpose like well i don't i saw a tweet and now i can't remember who who did it but i very much um identified with it because it was like Singer and, you know, social media Jennifer Lopez is really making me dislike the Jennifer Lopez in movies that I love. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. I, I like her in movies, mm-hmm. too, but you just got to know your lane and stay yeah. in your lane. It, social media has ruined so much. And so speaking of social media, I was going to say, I know we were we were talking in circles here. Clubhouse. I just really wanted to say yes. this very quickly in relation to this. There was a room talking about the inauguration. Um, specifically thinking about I keep thinking <laughs> did you see that video that somebody had made uh, where they were making fun of um, Lady Gaga's bird that she had on her shoulder when she performed I didn't see it there's video, a whole no. I'll send you the link there was a video of this man basically talking about what was going on basically what was the voices in the heads of all the people when they were moving around and they were making fun <laughs> of Lady Gaga's oh, bird yes, on yes, her I shoulder did see that. okay yeah it was like Obama mm-hmm. being like what's that damn bird like, <laughs> yeah basically and so I just kept thinking yeah. to myself like one I appreciate and stand Stephanie for giving us a little bit of like the Hunger Games vibes with her look um 
But I just, I just, my question is, and I always speak low like this when I, I don't want to get mm-hmm. in trouble. Mm-hmm. I just want to know why Lady Gaga and why Jennifer Lopez for Leonardo. Like, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, I'm why? imagining. Right, I don't know. They didn't have good. Maybe a lot of people just wouldn't come because they're like, "This is gonna be. We don't know if we're I don't want to die. We don't know yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I don't want to be there. Um, it's a different kind of. But then they could have done it with like videos or something. Correct. But, um, she's saying it was fine. It was nice. She is so dramatic. Like I, I don't understand why. I mean, she's Lady Gaga, so I get it. But. That was my tweet. Like, why does she have to be in every single thing she does so dramatic? And not just dramatic, but like Q-U-E, dramatique. Dramatique. She has to be be so over the top. It's just, yeah, it's a lot to take in. And then Jennifer Lopez. And I like Stephanie. It would have been fine if she hadn't have done the let's get loud moment. Um, Lady Gaga did not need to kind of do the whole Hunger Games stress and, and bird. And then Garth Brooks singing Amazing Grace was another kind of interesting moment. Because <laughs> that's like a powerhouse mm-hmm. song from a non-powerhouse vocalist. Right, yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was part of this like unity message. Like Garth Brooks has been We got to bring these white people in here. We got right, the, so bring Garth yeah, Brooks. Bring Garth I don't Brooks know. here. We got to get the white people I don't in know. Here. Yeah. But whatever. And and then he had everyone sing the thir- Amazing Grace together. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what key you're in. Like, you're just. who, baby. The but, key. The key. The key. I don't, I don't, oh, this was about Clubhouse to start no, with. No, I was just going to say, I was going to say, uh, talking about people who don't know their lane. Um, Clubhouse <laughs> is very much. So I know I get in trouble. You know what? I don't care anymore. This Just this year, I really just don't give a fuck. Um, you can think whatever you want pay a bill and then it'll matter um but ultimately like i've been saying clubhouse is the ghetto and when i say it's the ghetto it's a lot of people who think that they are the smartest people in the room when they really don't have anything to say and i have been saying that that's literally what the world has felt like for like the last year and a half there are a Mm -hmm. lot of people who just don't read a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't read a lot of people don't they don't read the room um it just it, <laughs> and they just don't read and they just don't read and so i just i i, I want to beg of the like if if you're spending if you are a listener and you are shout out to folks who are on clubhouse that are listeners we love you for it um but i will say that i genuinely don't think it's a good idea to be taking everything you hear on clubhouse to heart um because there are a lot of people on clubhouse who are genuinely on clubhouse because they are because they have nothing better to do with their lives. Um, and that's no shade to people who just don't have anything to do. But the people that you should be following and the people that sh- you should be getting advice from are the people who you genuinely may not see on Clubhouse all the time. So I just wanted to say Is that. There, I'm not on Clubhouse, nor will I ever you are a go smart person be on it. Clubhouse. I don't even want to be on. The more days that go by, the less I want to be on any social media at all. Tea. I don't know if that's an aging thing yeah. or that social media is becoming too... It's not, because I used to have fun on it. It's just becoming mm-hmm. a whole other thing. But is... 
So anyone can start a room. You don't have to have any expertise Correct. or anything. You just call it. Okay, so yeah. So it sounds like just another platform to spread. Yep. I'm sure some people have great um, conversations. And does everyone Sometimes. start talking or do they have to let you speak? So like how, how does it work? So how Clubhouse works. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on talking through Clubhouse because there's more right. problems with it than there are um, than there are things for me to celebrate. However, how Clubhouse works is so basically you have to be invited. You have to have an iPhone in the first place. You can't be Android. Okay. Um, so you have to have an iPhone. You have to be invited. And when, once you get invited, right, it's basically you get people who follow you or basically um, connect with you. It's kind of like it's like LinkedIn slash Twitter um, where, you know, people can follow you. The other thing about it is so you can start a room and you can title the room anything that you want. And then ultimately you can add people to be co-host of that room or you can ultimately say, I just want to have this room be me on on the platform. Then you can either you can invite everyone up to speak, meaning it's like basically they call it coming to the stage. So you can you can invite people to come up and speak or you can bump them back down to the audience. If like so say, for instance, me and you started a room and we're having like a public podcast on on Clubhouse and we want folks to come up and ask questions. And then someone came up and said, Beyonce sucks. We could boot them to the audience so that way they can't talk anymore. <laughs> um, but then you can bring people up and give them a moderator badge and basically they can also boot boot people and bring people up or boot people back down to the audience and then you have folks you know that will start a room and just say this is a room for everybody to chit chat and so they give everyone the ability to come to the stage and talk um it, but then is it just people talking over each other so, or do they have to so there are, raise their hand right and, and that's when it, that's the role of being a moderator right you have to know how to basically kind of maneuver and 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 move in a room so you basically have to be able to know how to reset the room know how to keep people from talking over one another um you have to set standards and you know kind of set it's just it's it's a this sounds terrible it, <laughs> for everyone involved Jesus, i don't know why um offense as as someone who has gone to a fair amount of graduate school and academic conferences and now has had, you know, like work Zoom calls, it sounds like everything I don't want to do right. packaged as something that I should, should be do fun. in my free time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why. It's taxing. Ever... I'm not going to lie. It's extremely <laughs> taxing. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've pulled back from it. Um, yeah. I, 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 I've used it a few times. I've even had a few rooms. Like I did a room with Francesca Ramsey a couple of weeks ago. Um, I did a room with a few other individuals specifically. There was a room that, you know, they were talking about there and that's the problem with clubhouse. So there is no one moderating what rooms get started. And so there are a lot of rooms that are fueled with like transphobia and anti LGBTQ oh, yeah. rhetoric specifically around in black, like black cis head spaces there are a lot of times where conversations get into being like super extremely like toxic around like identity politics and all of that and so that's one of the reasons why i've pulled back but the other reason that i've pulled back too is just this idea that it's like everybody feels like they like it's just a lot (laughs) of work i know exactly what you mean because it's like if you've ever given a paper on a panel yeah. at an academic conference or even uh, even like a write or a, a book conference, if you've gone and watched one of these, you know that the person that gets up to ask a question is like, where's the question? They're fishing. And you just mm-hmm. want to say like, well, I've read such and such book. Like I, I, I remember being at, you know, a conference and I'm giving a talk on a particular movie 
or something at or a Beyonce, you know, a Beyonce presentation. And they're like, well, how does this really, you know, in in Judith Butler's gender trouble, um, she says, blah, 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 and how does this relate to that? Girl, you and just want to sound smart. You're like, you just want, yeah, mm-hmm. you just want to get up and tell everyone that you've read right. Gender Trouble by Judith Butler. Mm-hmm. I've read it too, but it has nothing to do with what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So I've opted not to cite it. That's the reason. Right. And, and people do that. They, to... Sh- yeah, to look smart, to show what they've read, and to not actually ask a question. Uh-huh. You just you just want to have attention, and that's what so that's all. It sounds it is. terrible, and it's it just terrible. and it just it is, and it's not all terrible. I will be very honest. There have been some good things that for me in the little yeah. bit of time that I was, you know, constantly entertaining Clubhouse. There have been some really great conversations that have come out of it, and there have been some really great people that I've met. How? Ever, like I said, that both and <laughs> is a thing. It is yeah. both fantastic and terrible at the same time. And it can be a great way to meet people and connect with other people. But however, for me in my household, and I say household as in my mind, I don't have time <laughs> for it. I just don't, I, I genuinely don't have the energy. So I'm honestly in a place where I don't even want to entertain Clubhouse anymore. I just want to yeah. move on. <laughs> This idea of like, I just, if you use it and you love it, shout out to you, me and and mine, I will probably pop in here and there just to see what's going on, but I really don't have any more interest in using it. Um, Yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. So that being said, we're going to move on to the next part. Oh my gosh, we're already... Yeah, we've this is, I feel like this is going to be the longest episode that we have have done. Um, but we are going to talk through. I pinged you and I was asking you. Um, I know a lot of folks have been kind of obviously stuck in the house. And I pinged you uh-huh. and was like, girl, what are you watching? And I told you to watch Night Stalker. So I want to get your um, thoughts on it. Night Stalker, for those of you who are interested or are like, what are they talking about? Um, it's a show on Netflix and baby. When I tell you I devoured that show in a day, I was intrigued. What, what, like, how, like, what was it for you? It was okay. Like, I didn't, I don't, I didn't have the, the like, reaction that you did. I don't think. Mm. Maybe because I don't know. I had heard. I knew some of the case beforehand. See, I didn't. I oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I think that it will make a difference. And I felt like they dove in without a ton of background first which i like i i would have liked one more episode at the front end just kind of giving the setting the scene of la at that time yeah. and they tried to do it a little bit but they they went straight into kind of the killings and the the i would have also liked a little more connections between like he was <laughs> this is weird but this guy the the, the night stalker richard ramirez was unique in that he had no real mo other than Satan, because you know he would other than Satan, (laughs) other than evil, right? Because most serial killers, it's like Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about this like it's not a serious issue, but you know it's like they have this signature that they uh, leave behind, and he was someone who murdered, shot, raped, molested children, all ages, all ethnicities, all everything. It didn't men, women. It didn't matter, and that is kind of what makes him interesting mm-hmm. as a not in a in an intellectual capacity as that he breaks the type of what people thought of as a serial killer, yeah. and also that he's not a white dude. You know, mm-hmm. most serial killer, not most, but 
higher percentage are white men. Um, so seeing, you know, they they connected that he did all these different things, but in the timeline, they really focused on these particular murders. It would have been, I, I could have used with like another episode that would kind of tied together how he was moving around mm-hmm. and even from LA to San Francisco and Arizona and all of this stuff. But for what it was, I mean, it was an interesting quite gruesome um (laughs) the the crime photos and the blood recreations of the crime photos was that's what i had heard going in like oh if your stomach is you know if you have a Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. this is gonna really upset you um and so i went in wary of that and it i think they oversold it so i wasn't as bothered by by it but um the case itself is is fascinating yeah. and not that long ago you know 25 years yeah yeah 30 to 25 years mm-hmm. ago in LA yeah. um i think what interested me most was like learning more about LA at that mm-hmm. time yeah i pinged my mom after watching it because i was um I think for me, what I think really shook me was my mom was right at the epicenter of all of yeah. that, where my mom lived um, at the time. So when my mom had me, my mom was living in uh, Paramount. And if that to give you a reference of like where Paramount is, th- the first kill that he did, I think, was in like Whittier and like Whittier mm-hmm. is literally 10 minutes away from Paramount. Um, so it's just, it's it very, very interesting. And so I called my mom and I was like, mom, mm. I was like, why didn't I know about this? Why did you ever tell me that the year that I was born, this man uh. was going around killing people? And she, you know, my mom explained it to me. She, you know, my, for my mom, she was like, you know, I remember being pregnant with you and my mom was on bed rest. And so my dad was working at night. And my mom basically said that she went to go stay with my grandparents because they were so Mm. worried about my mom being by herself Um, because it was very much like and he was literally hitting areas that were very close to home, like Diamond Bar is close to where I live. Like he was hitting Monrovia, like Monrovia literally Mm. is only 10 minutes away from where I stay now. Like it genuinely is one of those things where it was just like watching it. It was like, oh, my God, I did not know that all of this was happening in the background the other thing that i found to be so interesting like now forensics has everything that they need in order to find you you basically sneeze wrong and they have your dna and you're found um but i think it's so interesting how they were able to actually find him based off of like a shoe print like it that blew my mind of like how how innovative i guess that's the word like they had to be they literally had to be one and no pun intended step they had to be one step ahead of him in regards to like trying to catch him because he was real good about leaving clues, but also not leaving clues. That was something that I kind of found to be very interesting. Like he was letting people know he was there, but at the same time, it was like, catch me if you can. And I think that that was the thing. The other thing that I was going to say too, about, I think this was something that really kind of like got me in my mind. I love these type of series anyway. As you know, I'm a big fan of Snapped. I'm a big fan of any docu-series where they're talking about, I know this is terrible, and I don't know what this says about me because I genuinely, (laughs) I cannot stand police, but I love crime documentaries. Like, I love anything that's rooted in, like, trying to get down to the, you know, who did it and how they did it and when did this, like, that really drives me. So I don't know what that says about me, and I probably should talk to my therapist about it on Wednesday. Um, But I genuinely, like, I think that's what really drove me, too, about the Night Stalker that I really loved was that there were so 
there, there's so much psychology around not only just yeah. the person doing like Richard himself there was a lot of psychology that I was interested in but also the psychology of the police and the investigators like how they interacted with each other and how they talked to one another mm -hmm. and how they what they did to catch him specifically um, was just very very interesting to me the other thing that I wanted to say and I'm going to lean into my mic because uh -oh. this is what really shook me a friend of mine on Twitter said that he doing more research on Richard Ramirez, I guess in one of his interviews, they asked him, th there were two things that were interesting to me. One, he didn't kill any black people. So shout out to his ghost. <laughs> thank you for, thank you. That we know that of. That we know of. However, thank you for sparing us. If you did not, as so I'll say that to his ghost. <laughs> um, and two, um, a friend said that his mind was that he would go, he, so when you talk about his me, the method to his madness, and this is what makes me even more, so I was, <laughs> I know I'm talking in circles, but I'll get to my point. I was working out the other night in my house and none of my lights were on. And when I was like, I literally jumped off my bike and was like, ooh girl, let me go and turn on some of these lights because I can't be in here in the dark by myself. He would go to homes where there were no lights on. And if the front door or the window was open, he said that he took that as a message from Satan that he was supposed to enter. And that mm. if the if there were lights on and the windows and the doors were locked, that was Satan's way of telling him that he should not be there. So that just, mm. it blows my mind to think like, that's low-key scary to think that there's somebody walking around being like, let me check your windows, let me check your doors. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that just really... Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was little, not, I didn't grow up in California, but we had extended family that were there mm -hmm. and we would visit a lot. And I don't remember at the time hearing about this, but I do remember that anytime we all left the house at the same time, we would leave one light, one light on, on in the room. And that was like always a thing. I'm just kind of remembering it now as it comes back to me as you were talking. And I, you know, like, why are we leaving? So people think you're home. If you're not home, no one will break in. I didn't live in a town in Utah where there, there was like major crime or anyone breaking in. Right. My dad still thinks someone's going to break into his house if he's not home or mm -hmm. if he doesn't, you know, whatever. There were times we would just leave the door unlocked, but there was always like leave one light on. And I'm sure it was from like news about yeah this cases like mm -hmm. this. It's like you have to leave one light on so people will know that or will think that and bypass your house. Yeah, if they're, if but they're... there's even but so it was so odd to me because he, the first woman that they talk about with this this individual, he um he ran up on her like it was like she was mm -hmm. coming home. So like that's the right. the other thing. Like I just it's so interesting. Like I said, I I, I would have probably never wanted to ever engage with him, but I just wanted. In my mind, there were just so many things that didn't make sense, and I was just going. He had to have been really delusional. Like there was a, there had to have really been something wrong with that individual, because yeah. there was no method to his madness, like you said. And for me, I'm watching it going. I can't put the dots together. Like I just can't yeah. figure out where his mind was. And I think that's what made it more creepy for me watching it 
was that most of the time when like I watched Snaps, I was like, okay, you know, Betty married Jim. Jim beat the shit out yeah. of Betty. Betty got tired of his shit, so Betty killed him. Okay, I get it. You know, I, I don't say I don't condone what Betty did, but Betty, I get why Betty did it. You know, Mark grew up being molested by his father. So, you know, he had a thing for going out and killing men because he, you know, felt like he, he had to get even with his father through that. Okay, you know, psychology wise, that makes sense. But yeah. this, watching this film, it just this creeped one. me out that there was like no method to his madness at all. So, yeah. Well, that's a, like the question I kept thinking about as I watched it and that there's no real answer to but people debate over and over and over is like and i think he even asked it straight out like do you think i was born like this or does society make are are people like are, is he, are you born evil or does society make you is evil? It, does it come out mm -hmm. of circumstances that you and that to me is a i mean we could do a whole episode about that but that to me is an interesting question in terms of human mm -hmm. behavior and because i don't actually know which side i fall on i think i fall on one and then i'm like oh but yeah xyz but mm -hmm. if that hadn't happened to him would he have turned out the same way right. oh but you know right. so i don't mm -hmm. know well i would just say it's it's all it's very short so it's real easy to get through it was like four yeah. episodes four episodes. yeah so yeah. it's real it's easy to get through um a very i wouldn't say it's a, i wouldn't say it's an easy watch what i'm saying is is at the sense of like you can sit down you can watch it and be on your phone and still follow it um it's not one of those things that you really need to pay a lot of attention to kind of like I felt like the whole Carol Baskin situation, that one, like there was so much, there was so much shit happening in that, that you really had to pay attention. Um, but this is very much, but it's still done very, very well. Um, anything mm -hmm. else that you're watching? Um, oh, you know, I mean, just out of nowhere, but the, the Fran Lebowitz on, um, it's called Pretend It's a City on Netflix. Oh. I love her as a writer. She's, uh, older now she moved to the new york in the 70s she like knew everyone mm -hmm. she's a writer that's kind of curmudgeonly i guess she has a lot of opinions about everything yeah. and if your opinion is different than hers it's wrong but it's like <laughs> martin scorsese made it and um she only ever wrote these two small books of satire and but she's been a personality forever mm. um and I identify with her in basically everything she says. So I've been watching that documentary. I have there's like seven episodes, and they're only half hour ish mm -hmm. long. Um, but I think she's hilarious. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of what else I'm watching. I don't know what to watch because for so long I've been like glued to the news, like right. you were saying earlier. Yeah. And now I'm. I'm still kind of watching it, but it's like, what am I watching for? Yeah. A lot of it's boring I'll, now. I, well, it's a lot of it's boring. I'm still interested in what's going to happen with this second impeachment trial. Yeah. Um, I'm also unnerved and uneasy. I'm glad Trump got banned from basically everything, including Pinterest. Um, Wait. <laughs> but yeah, they got him on Pinterest. So. They banned him on Pinterest I don't know if he was Pinterest on there trying too? to do something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's, he can't make a Pinterest account. Mm. Um, but I'm uneasy not knowing what he's up to. It's like... Well, if he, we could have just had him there and like ignored him, but nobody ignores him. Right. So they had to ban him. But now I'm like, he's just going to pop up one day somewhere. And it's like going to be full tilt. You just have to follow him with the office of the former president. <laughs> former president that he created. Yeah. Just follow Are him. Are they on Twitter? They're probably not They're on probably Twitter. They're probably banned too, they, honey. 
Yeah, they're banned. Mm-mm. I don't know. So, yeah, a mess. Anyway, so that's what I'm watching. What Are you watching other... So, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble when I say this, but again, I'm just... This year, I'm accepting that you can be... You can oh. be about liberation and problematic at the same time. Um, it's um, I'm watching <laughs> 600 pound life, my 600 pound life and the thousand pound sisters. I don't know why. I just something <laughs> about maybe because I am fat, maybe because I'm fat and I, I, I wouldn't say I'm that fat. I'm so I've lost a little bit of weight since the big, the top of the quarantine. Um, but I think watching those shows, there are moments and elements that I'm like, me too, girl, me too. Um, so I, I feel seen in some ways. Um, mm. I will say that TLC is extremely good at um, uh, really just showing the really terrible parts of a person's life and and, and their experience. Um, uh, you could say it's exploitation, but is it exploitation if you sign up for it? Um, is the question yeah. but and maybe again this is a whole other episode too like what is exploitation I, I think six, mm-hmm. my 600 pound life and a thousand pound sisters really speak to you know issues of like specifically like I'm thank and I always say thankful and I don't say oh, I'm trying to be mindful about my words because I what I don't want is people coming back and being like Dr. Higgins you know I really supported and respected you and you made that comment and now I don't because I've had that happen um, already mm-hmm. I I think it's just semi sort of interesting that like they show that that what they are really showing. And I wish that there was more talk about this is about how overweight people are dealing with so many like mental health, emotional issues, specifically a lot of the women that are on my 600 pound life have been like molested Mm. or have been raped. And then like the a thousand pound sisters. And there's been a couple of episodes this way too, where they talk about folks who have, really really strong relationships to food because they felt like their family didn't love them enough and so food was the only thing that made them come feel comfortable again Hmm. psychology i don't know why i'm not a psychology major but it was just so (laughs) it's just interesting to me to see the psychology and how it works with people and then even to like people who are poor and the relationship that they have with food and that's ultimately why Hmm. i blew up to be almost 400 pounds was you know Growing up, I was always hungry because we didn't have money for food like that. And then now I work in an industry where, you know, I go to events and there's a lot of food or, you know, Mm. I work a lot and I don't feel like cooking. So I have the money so I can go out and buy whatever I want to eat. Like it just there's so there's just such an interesting relationship with food and American people. And I I, Mm. it's interesting to watch. So sad, but true. I enjoy both of those shows. That's okay. We can admit mm-hmm. when we. Mm-hmm. But I'm also watching Real Housewives, which this season is awful. Um, they need to bring back Sheree. So I'm just saying that. Um, mm. We are also watching Worst Cooks. Did you did you hear about what happened with the last person who won Worst Cooks? I uh, no. Chow, the person who won Worst Cooks in season twenty, she killed her child. Season 20. Yeah. I've never even heard of this show. Mm, it's, it's over on, 20 yeah, seasons. Yeah. Our, our, our worst Cooks on, um, uh, huh. I think it's on, is it on TLC? No, it's on the Food Food Network. Okay. Mm-hmm, so there's just, it's oh. a lot of good stuff out there. Um, watched I, I've watched a couple of screeners for new movies that are coming out. I have not watched Bridgerton. I will not be watching Bridgerton. Um, 
that interests me zero percent. Same. So will not. Okay. I've not seen prom. Will not be seeing prom. Um, what else? is there? Any other films that I saw that I thought was really good? I saw Soul. That was cute. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but I wanted to. It's really cute. I heard great things. That's I mean, good. I heard a bunch of people's criticism that I think they both can exist. I don't care. Yeah, I thought it was what, cute, <laughs> and it made yeah. my nephew happy. So it made my my brother and my nephew happy, and that's all that matters to me. Um, so yeah, I want to see Promising Young Woman, but I haven't yet. I got I've invited heard. to a screening of that for tonight, and I don't. Oh, you know what? I'll send you the um. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't say I it online, it. but I yes. Okay. After. Boom. Boom. I got you. I got you. Um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I got you. So I'll okay. say that. Um, that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into the, because this is about to get really long. So we're going to go ahead and move into the sandbox. Is there anything that outside of the elections and people being shitty that you want to, to talk about or share? Um, <laughs> it Oh, it was just in my head and it was tied to the last thing I was saying, but now I don't remember. <laughs> it'll come back to me what do you, you go you <laughs> okay so go on your sandbox all right so i'm a okay so we're looking at it we, i'm a i'm a a minute i'm gonna try to do it in a minute um okay i have been interviewing for jobs the last couple of months and i've had quite a few f- like feats like I've, I've gotten into some really well-named yeah. places and i've been thankful um and I've also gotten to this place where I recognize that what I'm doing as a consultant, what I'm doing as a like a freelancer actually is providing me more than what these jobs could actually ever give me. Um, even though mm. these jobs are like they give you obviously a salary and you get, you know, health and all of that. Right. There's still like it's just there's a lot of politics that come with working for a company. And I guess now that I've been working for myself for three and a half years and I've been able to find success in doing that, there's I've. I, after doing all of these interviews, I have learned that I don't really need to work for a company to be successful. So there's that. Mm. Let's get into where this in particular sandbox moment is going to go. I had what I would like to call my final interview for. And I say final, not in the sense of like, this is the last interview I had with this company. Like final in, I have no plans to interview for any more jobs <laughs> with companies whatsoever. And this interview that I had last night was the nail in the coffin for me um this woman and I'm gonna leave the company nameless because it's not important (laughs) in this interview not only did she badger me about because I basically she had asked me a whole bunch of questions about like what you know she basically what are some of the things that she basically one of her questions was what would someone say are my downfalls right like what what would make me a terrible employee pretty much was what she was essentially (laughs) trying to ask And I told her, I said, one of the things that I don't adhere to professionalism, and I told her that I think, and I also don't play or live up into respectability politics. And this woman, like, so I could sense that she was already on the fence and was starting to have, like, reservations. And I'm going, like, y'all niggas didn't know who I was coming into this interview? Like, Google is free. Like, so why are you acting surprised that, like, I don't get yeah. it. Like, why didn't you? So there's that. The other thing that really, really got me and, I, and made me say, okay, you know what? We're done here. 
when I told her that I was non-binary and she started asking me all these questions about what does it mean to be my authentic self at work, like this, and, and the, the kicker was that this was for a DEI position. Yeah. So what is my point in the sandbox here is that don't, I just need people to, to like really do better in relation to how you interact with non-binary people, like queer people, blah, blah, like, it's not my job to educate you. It is not my job to make you feel comfortable. It is not my job to make you feel better about my existence. And I'm really just in this place where I am so sick and tired of these companies saying, we, we celebrate diversity, we celebrate people, we celebrate difference, blah, 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 blah. And then the leader of your company doesn't even fully understand what non-binary means. And the leader of your company doesn't even fully know how to ask or talk to somebody who is non-binary, non-gender conforming. Hmm. Like, so I'm I'm done. I'm I'm just I'm really like I poly, like big business is shit. That's literally all <laughs> I want to say. Like I'm good. And you know, shout out to the companies that you know may want to work with me because I say that. And then shout out to the companies that don't. Um, but I am no longer interested in working with companies that feel the need to have to police. And that's basically what I said in the interview. I have no interest in working for companies or working with people or working with organizations that are in a place where they feel like they have to police me and what I say and what I do. I just don't. If I, I tweeted this, I said, if I have to sanitize my voice to work with your organization, then I want nothing to do with that, period. And that's where I stand. So it. I don't know if it's a valid frustration, but I'm over it. Like I'm just over how terrible people are, period. So, yeah, I still don't remember what mine was. It was right on the tip of my tongue like 20 minutes ago. And now and in my head, I was like, I'm saving it for the mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't remember what it you should have typed it. You know, eh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Whatever. I'll, it'll come back to me at some point and we can use it again. I'm sure it won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I'm annoyed at won't stop happening. Yeah. Um, one thing is like waking up every time beyonce does an ivy park drop right and like wake not being mad about it in terms of like i actually don't think i'll be going after anything this time because like those colors are not my style but i don't like whatever it's always i definitely don't wear white because i spill on myself Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. but uh it's like waking up to the same argument over and over about like is she really doing this again in a pandemic and is it like you know, she's giving clothes to rich people, like the what about poor people thing. And I'm like, girl, yeah, Beyonce is not going to get like, what do you want her to do? Just can we move past this and enjoy just let people buy their sweatpants mm-hmm. and let leave everyone alone. You're not going to buy it anyway. Are you jealous? Do you want it? If not, then just goodbye. Yeah. You know, because nobody tells Rihanna that she needs to give makeup and lingerie to poor people. So why does Beyonce like, I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's things that I, you know, can't afford that I would want, but it's not like I demand, like, things cost something for a reason, and if you're not going to dismantle all of capitalism and whatever, just move on. Like, don't get mad at just Beyonce. It's everywhere. I didn't get the first drop because I couldn't afford it. So Apple products are expensive. Um, Everything is expensive, Mm -hmm. frankly. Everything is expensive. So... it's just that thing again where it's always zeroed in on Beyonce and it to me denotes another issue not it's not about 
capitalism and the prices and the whatever mm-hmm. it's about her mm-hmm. and people have this issue with her that is frankly very strange like i don't know why she's she's a she successful black business. woman that's why she's successful but it, it, and it comes from other black people sometimes mm-hmm. black women um it's just like she minds her business she puts out her work that's always impeccable you don't want ivy park that's fine don't worry about you know giving all of us a lesson and right you know whatever i don't care anyway. when gucci drops something i don't care like i mean it's right. Like, <laughs> right. louis vuitton they drop stuff all the time and i look and i go okay girl. new collection i'm like whatever. yeah i'm like yeah, i can't just, afford it so just move yeah, just on move do you on. have that do you really have that much time yeah. to be so angry about ivy park every three months like seems like you do and if that's the case i think you need to question yeah and i make a joke about it i mean i'm i and i like i said i'm gonna peruse the collection if there's something cute if there's a cute mask or if there's a cute bag i might pick something up because like i have a lot of stuff i'm at a place right now where i'm not spending no more money on clothes because where are we going where are we going, sis? Right. Where we got where we got to go to be stunned? Although those are the perfect cla- clothes of, for sitting around in the house because they're like Tea. athleisure, right? Tea. Sweatpants. Yeah, I wear the black. I, I wear the black and gold one more than I wear my green one, though. I will say that. The, I've only got the black and gold and the maroon and orange. Oh, so jealous! I wish the very first. The oh, very I wanted first. that one so bad. I love maroon. It is one of my favorite colors. Yeah. So yeah, I like those. But I bought this very same piece. It's like the sweatpants, mm-hmm. the, the sweatpants in both of those colors. Yeah, and like whatever, I'm happy with yeah, it. I just, I, I at the time I didn't have the money for it, and I'm still so mad yeah. that I didn't, I didn't splurge and just put it on a credit card. But that's neither here nor there. I well, hear you, <laughs> I hear you, and like if, again, if it's not for you, keep it pushing, sis. We don't need yeah. it. Yeah, I get yeah. it. All right, y'all. Well, we have gotten to the end of what I like to say is probably the longest episode that we've I done. Think so. Um, any announcements, anything you want to share with the listeners? Um, I will have something coming out in the next couple months, um, that I cannot announce yet, Mm -hmm. but I can say it's a, a new podcast that's not of me, but I am a guest on this podcast to talk about Beyonce, um, by a name that you definitely have heard of <laughs> um so i'm excited for that to come out we had a really fun conversation about beyonce so I live. um within a couple months mm-hmm. i will once it's the date is out i'll announce and you'll find more out uh, find out more about mm-hmm. it but that's all yeah. other than that i'm just still staying home yeah teaching working blah yeah i kind of the same i have quite a few things that are kind of slowly rolling down the pipeline nothing super one is really major and you already know about it i can't announce it because again ndas um but ultimately it, hopefully mm. i can't wait to announce it when it does go live to share um i am in the process i mean just trying to just trying to figure out my own lane i think that's been the biggest thing is in terms of announcements is just trying to figure out what I can continue to keep doing that's going to not only one help keep these lights on but at the same Mm. time to make me feel very like like I'm actually making a difference because I feel like now it's getting to a place where everyone's a consultant everyone's a coach everyone you know everyone's doing kind of the same thing now and I'm just trying to figure out how do I carve my way out of of that lane that everyone else is doing so 
um that being said no shade to everybody who's a coach and doing what they're doing get your coins get your bags we can all eat at the table i just know for me personally i'm just in this place of like how can i set myself apart so that way i can continue to keep creating the change i want to create so that's just kind of what i'm working on so um i am open to all feedback i'm open to all the love um thank you everybody who has supported i will say like i don't know what number podcasts we're on but it's just really cool to know that there are still people who listen and are looking for us and are asking um about us and it just it it really warms my heart that we have so much support so thank you all um and with that like i said we're at the end of the show thank you all for listening and uh we will be back with a new episode soon take care and um yeah protect your ninnies bye bye (laughs) 